0: Listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie Truckies. Here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. And Queensland Rail committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Go to www.qr.com.au G'day and thanks for joining us for episode 103 of On the Road. Mike asks the hard questions of our new Federal Assistant Minister for Infrastructure and Transport, Senator Carol Brown. We chat with our Aussie music artist, Ronnie Judo, a big man with a big voice and an even bigger future. An extended segment from our newsroom, plus Mike's pearls of wisdom in something to talk about later on in the show. Not one, but two great music tracks from Ronnie Judo and more. She's fully loaded and ready to roll, so... Let's get this show on the road!
1: Yes, get on with it!
2: G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Truckers. and when I'm on the road, we're
3: always on the
2: road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening <laughs> to the big rigs on the road, right? <laughs> This is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Truck and radio is what we do across Australia twenty-four-seven. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address Big Radio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio
4: Roadshow.com.
2: Senator Carol Brown is from Tasmania. She is our new Assistant Minister for Infrastructure and Transport and I'm so pleased that she's found some time on a Saturday to spend a few minutes with us and have a chat about what's going on, where we are, and what's happening in the future. Senator Carol Brown, welcome to the podcast.
3: Thanks, Mike. It's great to be with you. Hello to all your listeners.
2: <laughs> well, I'm sure they're all waving back, because that's what they do. I haven't seen you since the NRFA conference, but you haven't let the grass grow under your feet. You've been busy and had a chat with a lot of people and you've met with the removalist guys the other day. Who else have you been talking to?
3: Yes, I have been very busy since Toowoomba. I have to say, once again, I really enjoyed meeting up with the truckies up there and meeting you for the first time. <laughs> that was a big frill for me. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Flattery. <laughs> yes, but no, I've met with Transport Workers' Unions, the Victorian Transport Association, and as you mentioned, the Australian Furniture Removal Association. They actually had their annual conference in Hobart, Mm. the Australasian College of Road Safety. I've met with many, many people and including some state and territory road safety ministers and the issues have been varied but essentially what they've been talking about have been issues and pressures facing the infrastructure and transport sector which include capacity constraints, skills shortages, supply chain pressures and road safety Mm. so the government and the state and territory governments will obviously need to focus on reforms aimed at tackling these issues a body of work that will need to be well planned and orderly in its implementation so i have to say i've really enjoyed my work and the people that i've met and the stakeholders i've been put in on the first of july And I have to say, it's been a great experience so far.
2: Well, it's a little bit different to what you've been used to, this portfolio, isn't it? It is.
3: I was in the area before, but I was chiefly focused on shipping. So I'm now on dry land and I'm enjoying that as well. Prior to that, I had been doing a lot of work in the disability sector for a number of years, which I really enjoy and still keep a keen interest in as well
2: very important work that area i think it is okay so there's a couple of things that i wanted to talk to you about the first i suppose is the ad blue crisis that we're looking forward to at the end of december i do think there are some serious issues to consider there when in Sci-Tech closed their plant, as they've said that they're going to mm-hmm. that's going to leave us without any onshore production of adblue for trucks I suppose you're probably aware that we've sort of really been drawn into using AdBlue now. There's a great swathe of the Australian trucking fleet that relies on AdBlue, and if you disable it as an operator, there are penalties surrounding that. The lack of supply of AdBlue would be crippling to our industry, and I sort of wonder, I mean, where are we at? I'd like to think that there's a plan there somewhere.
3: Well, oh, absolutely. And it's a good question. And I'm sure all your visitors that rely on AdBlue for their trucks would be very keen on knowing what the government's been up to. Mm. So, the importance of reliable supplies in Australia is vital in keeping the trucks on our road, which you've already indicated. The current analysis that's been undertaken of AdBlue supply and usage. Mm. Do not forecast any AdBlue shortages as the domestic import market has grown to meet the demand. So what has actually been happening is that you would know that the government has gone out with what is called a request for information, Mm -hmm. which finishes on the 15th of August 2022. Yes. And advice will be provided to government. And that will lead to decisions being made going
2: forward. Do you think that's going to be enough time to respond?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think the request for information, which was an open public process, Hmm. it's designed to inform options to build resilience in the market. And the data from that request for information process will be used by government to inform the evidence-based decision-making that will need to be made. That will go to the Minister for Industry and Science, Ed Husick. So that's just completed. So I think that was supposed to complete on the 15th of August. And I think that the government and certainly the minister is well aware of ensuring the issue of the shortages that happened over ad blue over the Christmas twenty twenty one does not happen
2: again. Yeah. Well, the prices went through the roof. Yeah. We saw the price go from under a dollar a litre for ad blue to like over three dollars in some places. Yeah. I read an article only during the week where they suggested that the volume of AdBlue that's being held in reserve at the moment is enough to get us through a transition period after December. Yeah, yeah. The prices are still fairly high though, and I, you know, we all appreciate the government's got not too much control over what the market charges for stuff, but it just seems as though there's been a little bit of, shall we say, profiteering at the expense of the transport industry. Are you aware of that or would you have a position on that?
3: Yeah, I'm not aware of that. I haven't been advised of that and that Mm. hasn't come up in any of the discussions that I've had across the industry.
2: Mm.
1: Okay.
3: But happy to put that information to the minister Mm. and make sure that he's aware of some of the discussions out there about whether this is happening.
2: We'll take that one on notice then, Senator. Yep. Absolutely (laughs) taken on notice. No problem. (laughs) See, I can be all formal if I want to be. Yeah. <laughs> now, we want to talk about jobs and skills, and that's one of these things that's very, very important. Mm. I had a rant on last week's show about driver recruitment and retention and the fact that there is a company now in Unanderra which is offering a $5,000 sign-on bonus for drivers. And another large carrier from Mildura, G1, has put a billboard on the Yume Highway advertising for drivers, which I never, ever thought I would see in my life. Western Australia talking to Cam Dumpney there the other day and he was saying to me that they're losing millions a day in Western Australia because they don't have enough experienced road train operators and there seems to be a call that we should import more drivers. I think you might find that one a little bit hard to push.
3: Well look we do know and this is an issue as I indicated in my opening statement That jobs and skills were an issue that's been brought up by nearly every stakeholder that I've had an opportunity to meet with. And that is why the treasurer, Jim Chalmers, is convening the Jobs and Skills Summit in September. He has also released an issues paper in the lead up to the Jobs and Skills Summit, which outline the broad themes that the summit will cover the good thing that's happening prior to the Treasurer's Jobs and Skills Summit is roundtables being held all around the country by senators and members. Just in Tasmania, we're actually holding three roundtables around jobs and skills across a broad section of industries. But there is one next week in Sydney that Catherine King, the Minister for Infrastructure and Transport, my boss, yep will be holding a round table for surface transport. So all that information coming from those round tables at the state and territory level and also those ones that have been held by Cabinet Minister will feed into the actual summit itself it will go to a recruitment because we know a lack of skilled workers is a real problem. Yep. So we have to look at a number of different initiatives that we might need to take to fill that skill shortage.
2: There are a number of problems with trying to integrate drivers into the commercial area in this country, I think, and without putting you on the spot. The feedback that I get often is that we really do need to improve the licensing system in this country to make sure that only those who have the suitable skill level and probably the suitable attitudinal level, for the want of a better description, Mm. be allowed to drive commercial vehicles.
3: Right. Well, can I just say,
2: Mm.
3: with the Jobs and Skills Summit, the roundtables and the summit itself are the first stage in the process because yep. this is around ideas that are raised through both those forums, mm. the roundtables and the summit being put through a white paper on employment, and the white paper on employment is essentially a report which provides the government with information on proposals on an issue. Now I know you're talking around licensing and that has been an issue that has been raised with me by a number of stakeholders as well around the need for a uniformed licensing system Hmm. and I know that that discussion has been had by state and territory ministers as well and there is work obviously being done in that area
2: well I would suggest to you that the licensing system has been stalled for probably more than a decade and the work that's been conducted hasn't been very effective (laughs) we could have a long discussion I suppose and I think you'd be surprised to find out how much in fact hasn't been done There have been a number of changes to the way licences are issued and the consistencies across the country are incredible, far too much for us to discuss here right now, thankfully. But I would just hope, perhaps that you would take from this conversation that there needs to be a more even-handed look at what's going on rather than what someone like the ATA has to say, for example.
3: Well, I'm happy to take anything from our discussion here today, Mike. Take everything that we have a chat about on board, and hopefully, we can have further discussions about it through this forum and also with the Road Freighters Association
2: as well. I'd love to do that. Yep, good. We're just going to take a quick break and we'll hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back if that's okay.
3: Okay.
0: There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au
2: or go to the NTI Facebook page. Welcome back. We're back with Senator Carol Brown, the Assistant Minister for Infrastructure and Transport. We're going to talk about a few things now. We've got a couple of nice things to talk about. First of all, before we get started, we all heard Glenn bang on about safe rates and we've heard the union banging on about safe rates. Senator, where are we at with this? Is this something that's going to happen? How are we going to chase this down and nail it down?
3: Yeah, Well, the safe rates is all about lifting the standards of the transport industry, committing to minimum standards of workers doing the same job, take home the same pay. And supporting safe rates was an election commitment of Labor's and many of the members of the caucus re-signed onto it in the last sitting actually, including Catherine King and myself. So I'm immensely proud that Labor is committed to legislating same job, same pay. Mm. So we look forward to having more conversations as to how that is progressing and the Minister for Employment and Workplace Relations, Tony Burke,
2: will bring that forward. Okay. Well, I might have to get Tony's phone number and I'll give him a ring and have a bit of a chat about that one.
3: More than happy to put you in (laughs) contact with his office.
2: I'll email him. (laughs) Safe rates, I think, is one of those things that's really had a bit of a hammering the name. We had the RSRT, which I'm sure you're aware of. The tribunal itself, I think, was seen by a lot of people in the industry as being a good thing. The orders were the problem, and unfortunately, and I'll have a shot at Malcolm and his cohorts at the time. They flung enough mud, and they managed to have a bit of a political win, and they got their double dissolution as a result of it, and effectively, nothing has changed since then. So what sort of a timeframe are we looking at, Senator? Is it going to be something that's going to happen in this term of government?
3: That's my understanding, absolutely.
2: Brief answer? <laughs>
3: Well, it's a pretty simple question, simple response. I love it. Well, you know, I'm anticipating that the Minister for Employment and Workplace Relations, Tony Burke, will bring forward work on this later in the year mm. and we'll see work continue on it. Okay, it's very important, as you know, in terms of what's critical for transport workers. Safety is a key issue around this industry and unfortunately we know that some truck drivers don't get home yep. and whatever it can be done to make truck drivers safer needs to be done. And in my view, safe rates is about that. It's about lifting the standards in the transport industry.
2: Well, I think anyone that can't see the connection between proper rates of pay and the outcomes as they exist on the road. I've said it once, I've said a thousand times, I'll say it again. It's all about rates. It always has been, always will be. Until we sort that out, we're going to continue to suffer the consequences. We'll just wrap that one up and leave that there for the moment. I'll tie a bow on that. We'll talk about that down the track. I suppose the cherry that we really want to talk about is the $80 million funding commitment to rest areas. There are a lot of guys out there now saying, Well, come on, the rubber's got to hit the road. You guys have been in Parliament now for a little while and things have to happen. I think people need to understand that there's a certain amount of process that has to be completed. Obviously the budget will be the time when we start to hear about what's going on. Is that correct, Senator?
3: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. There are government processes and for your listeners I'll just remind them that the biggest ever, I think, so a commitment to just heavy vehicle rest areas was made at the 2022 election by the Albanese Labour Party and that was a commitment of $80 million to develop heavy vehicle rest area program Mm. and part of the commitment given then and that commitment will be carried through and honoured is that it will be a program that is industry led, by that I mean truck driver led And the program will ensure that heavy vehicle operators have appropriately located rest stops. This was, of course, the commitment that was announced and delivered through the election by Senator Glenn Stirl. Mm. As many of your listeners will know, Senator Stirl is a staunch advocate for this industry. He knows the industry well and I'm pleased to say he's a very good friend of mine. He put together this commitment and I'm going to have the pleasure and honour of being able to announce it when we go through the budget process and have it formalised coming up to the budget in October. The, an announcement on the chair of the committee that will drive the program and make recommendations to me. Will be announced at the same time and of course we then will look forward to announcing the makeup of the committee.
2: Well I look forward to telling everyone who all those people are. I'm happy to come back and help you do that too, Mike. Thanks very much. I've got one question for you without notice. Rod Hannafy invited you to go for a ride in his truck now. He's got a broken wing at the moment. Oh, hasn't that happened? Well, he's had a bit of a shoulder repair, I think. Oh, okay. But he's going to be back in the saddle soon. It's not going to be for a couple of months. Are you going to be up for that? Are you going to have a go and see what it's like to sit in the cab of a big truck?
3: Yeah, I thought you'd ask me this question. I thought uh, Mike's going to ask me whether (laughs) I'm going to get in a truck. (laughs) And look, yes, I'm up for it. It's just about finding some time and putting some parameters around because Rod drives for eight hours at a time. He does. Longer, probably.
2: He's only allowed to drive for six at a time. (laughs)
3: Six at a time. Sorry, six at a time. So six,
2: that's a long time. It's a long time between rest stops.
3: But he was kind enough to put that offer out to Mm -hmm. me and I said that I would be happy to try to facilitate that. But it has been extraordinarily busy and Mm. I've been in this job since the 1st of July, I think it was. Mm. And I've been really busy, but I will get back in touch with Rod to see what we can facilitate. But I can assure your listeners, I'm sorry, but it won't be for the six-hour haul.
2: (laughs) Oh, no, Rod's got a rule. I hope I don't disappoint anyone. No, Rod's got a rule, you know, you've got to go for the whole trip or not at all. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, that's a rule. Absolutely. (laughs) I better bring my ABBA CDs with me. ABBA CDs. Well, actually, I know (laughs) a lot of ABBA songs, you know.
3: Oh, Oh, they're not bad to sing. Hmm. If I ever do karaoke, which is not a good thing for me to do, Hmm. I always go for songs where there's a lot of heavy metal rock (laughs) because you can safely sing along and it doesn't matter how bad you sound, I think.
2: Well, this is a safe area. We can talk about this. I've been known to put up on Twitter, I have concerts in the cab of my truck all the time, and I'm a bit of an Angels, a bit of a Metallica, a bit of an ACDC and all that sort of stuff going, what's your favourite band there, Senator?
3: Oh, look, that's interesting because, you know, I really change depending on what I'm into at the time. I Mm. remember when I was much younger, I really liked Tracy Chapman, actually, and I liked her song Drive, and I used to listen to her all the time. Right. The very first person I saw in concert was Mm. actually Shaking Stevens. Seriously? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember Shaking Stevens. I am from Hobart, and we didn't get too many of the big performers coming down, but we did manage to get a lot of the Australian performers. So I was lucky enough to see Midnight Oil and yep. Jimmy Barnes. I saw Angels at the uni, actually, All right, hey. as I was down there just for that. It was just extraordinary. It was fantastic. So I'd have to say I really do like a lot of Jimmy Barnes actually.
2: Tell mate Barnes you live just down the road from me.
3: Oh, does he really? You're a lucky man.
2: He loves to eat <laughs> in the same Japanese restaurant I like as well, so
3: Well <laughs> say good day to him when you're both next in the restaurant and he'll be saying Who the hell's that guy?
2: Yeah. That's what he'll be saying. So you're a Tasmanian girl, you're born and bred? I am. I'm Hobart born and bred. Wow. So it's
3: a beautiful city. It's a glorious state. You really are lucky if you're living in Australia, Hmm. but you're even luckier if you're Tasmanian or you're living in Tasmania.
2: Under the slopes of Mount Wellington. Oh, yes, beautiful. I'm a Tasmanian as well. Did you know that? Where are you from, Launceston? I lived in Launceston for a long time. My dad was a police officer in Tasmania. Oh, right. And my dad's from Cressy. Mum was from Scottsdale. Oh, that's nice. My brother still lives in Launceston. He drives up and down between Launceston and Hobart and out to the ports of Devonport and Burnie and that.
3: My father was from Scottsdale. His family was from Scottsdale. He was born there but came to Hobart when he was a very young child.
2: Right. I do appreciate your sense of humour and a little bit of banter at the end. Thank you so much for indulging me. I look forward to talking to you again down the track.
3: I really enjoyed our discussion and I look forward to talking again. Just want to say goodbye to your listeners as well. If they have any issues or questions they would like to ask, they can just email them through to me.
2: Senator Brown, thanks very much for being on the show.
3: Okay, my pleasure, oh, and I'll see you soon. Bye. Well,
2: that was Senator Carol Brown, the Assistant Minister for Infrastructure and Transport. Very pleased that she could find the time to join us here on the show, and I will say that she did give me much more time than I asked for. I thank you so much for that. Greatly appreciated. She's promised to work with industry and consult and listen to what's being said out there, and. I've only got the greatest amount of respect for the amount that she's learned and had to take in in the short time that she's been exposed to us particular band of reprobates that get out there driving trucks on the road. you come over there, Andy? Yeah, Mike, Got gotcha you go. Mate, we're coming up that level crossing we were talking about before. Looks like we're going to be stopping. Roger that. Look at the size of that thing. They tell me they take about 2 Ks to stop. That's like 20 times the length of the MCG. Would want to be playing chicken with that. Yeah, copy that. They can't exactly swerve either, can they?
0: They're stuck to the tracks,
2: mate. <laughs> it's not that hard to wait till it's safe to cross and make sure the road's clear on the other side. Yeah, not like that bloke last week who forgot about the length of his trailers. Yeah, I heard about that one. It's not really funny, though, when you think about it. 4 old train driver. Probably been having nightmares ever since. Yeah, I reckon. We're all in the same boat, really, mate. Everyone just wants to get home safe at the end of the day. Yeah, not wrong on that one. There goes the last carriage. Looks like we're safe to head off now. Thanks, Mike. A long way to go. After you, old mate. This is a
0: message from Queensland Rail reminding us that it's important to stay alert and obey any signs and signals when approaching level crossings to help keep you and everyone else safe. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. <music> Kermie here from Trucking with Kermy. I listen to On the Road podcast every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermy on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime,
3: take care of you.
0: Legendary Aussie country music star, the late Ace Fender, discovered this week's on-the-road music guest in the early 2000s, and he knew he'd found something special and unique when he heard him sing for the first time. This urban cowboy from the southwestern Sydney suburbs has delivered hit after hit, with songs like Cruising Along, Falling in Love in Galveston, QF Flight to Dallas, Damn This Town, From the Start, Roadside Angels and She's the One, all gracing the country music charts. His distinctive sound is inspired by traditional country music and Americana, but with a fresh modern twist. His vocals are deep and rich, and there's no doubt he has a huge future ahead of him as one of the finest voices to grace the Aussie country music scene. Here to talk about his career and introduce his brand new single is Mr. Ronnie Judo. G'day Ronnie, it's great to have you come and join us
5: on the road. Thanks mate, thanks for having me.
0: Absolute pleasure, mate. It all began for you back in the early 2000s when the late great Ace Fender took you under his wing and shared his knowledge and experience with you. That must have been an incredible experience for a young bloke just starting out in the industry.
5: Oh yeah, you know, I didn't really expect it. You know, to have somebody like that take me under his wing so early, and it was absolutely awesome time for me. Um, yeah, sadly, he passed away, and yeah, we didn't get to finish our project, but no, I learned a lot from him those few years that I was with him.
0: Yeah, for sure. Is there enough in the can there that you might be able to finish off the project at some
5: stage? Mate, yeah, actually, uh, to be honest with you, I was the last couple of weeks I've been uh, working on the song that we were supposed to do together back in the early 2000s, so just trying to update it a little bit, you know, and hopefully we might record that one.
0: Oh, brilliant. Good to hear. We'll we'll look forward to it. Ronnie, was music always your dream or did you have other plans originally for your life?
5: Mate, no, I actually uh, was training to be a pilot. Okay. Yeah, after I finished school and you know, I got to go into some beautiful towns, you know, as I was building up my hours. Hmm. You know, went out the Charterville and Charters Towers and, you know, all those kind of places, you know, up at Lightning Ridge. And- beautiful. So it was a dream to to be a pilot, but I always loved music. I was actually a drummer in a band in the early 90s, and but I always loved country music because it was something that I grew up with. All right. So, yeah.
0: So that, of course, gives me the perfect opportunity to do the old drummer's joke and say, so you were a drummer and then you decided to become a musician. <laughs> when you were first kicking out into the writing and performing side of things who were the artists that inspired you
5: oh look there was quite a few because i I used to listen to a lot of them with my older brothers and you know the don williams you know all those kind of people sure slim dusty jade hurley's but it was really randy travers that really got me uh going you know what yeah this is awesome He hooked me in, and lucky enough, I got to see him live here in Sydney in the 80s, and yeah, I, I was just hooked on country, and these people just inspired me to do what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, great. Now, COVID really messed with a lot of artists on many levels, as we know, but you seem to have pushed on regardless. You had a string of song releases, plenty of live shows, a debut EP, and even more touring. What's kept you fired up and out there at a time when many were just waiting for the storm to pass?
5: Look, yeah, I just wanted to keep myself busy and not let that year and a half or whatever it was uh, get to me and lucky enough, I was able to write some songs and uh, you know produce them with Rob Moppy down there at Shell Cove, yeah when we had the opportunity to travel more than five kilometers, so mm. um yeah, I just kept myself busy writing and you know just trying to keep myself in the game and obviously trying to you know release something for the uh, audiences as well, so yeah, yeah, I was just working towards you know building my status as well at that time.
0: yeah, that's it. use it or lose it, sort of thing.
5: Yeah, it was it was kind of, especially in the area that I was in, we were one of the ones that were hit the hardest, and it was difficult to sort of just, you know, be confined in your home when you're used to being out on the road. So, yeah. Yeah, I had to keep myself busy somehow.
0: Great opportunity for songwriting, though, isn't it, when you're stuck at home like that?
5: Oh, definitely, mate. You know, it gives you a bit of inspiration as well, because you're going through different types of emotions and, you know, you're hearing things and you're reading things and everybody went through a difficult time and sort of, yeah, no, it, it inspires you to write. So yeah, no, you know, you can take the positives out of it as well. So
0: for sure, for sure. Now, a bit of background, we've got a really interesting show this week. My co-host Mike has interviewed a politician, a a federal politician for this week, and he asked her who her favourite music act, so I was thinking to balance things out, I should ask you, who's your favourite politician?
5: Oh, mate, that's that's a tough question to to answer right now. It's all
0: right, mate. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to answer that. (laughs) We're going to play your new single shortly called I Used To Be Her Cowboy. How did the song come about? What's the story behind it?
5: Oh mate, it was a thought that I had floating around in my head at the time, and yep. about how cowboys are always perceived to be, you know, have that bad boy image, and yep. you know they're always judged very quickly to be guilty, you know, even though when they're innocent.
0: Yeah, mm. it's a bit like truck drivers, really, isn't it?
5: Oh yeah, poor <laughs> fellows, you know they're out there working hard, and yeah, get judged very quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So I thought I'd write that kind of concept with a love song where, you know, she ends up leaving him based on the poor fella. You know, he wasn't guilty, but, you know, she thought he was and, you know, ends up breaking up the partnership.
0: Yeah. Ronnie, I see you've got your own website and a very strong presence on all the popular social media sites. Yeah. What's the best way for our listeners to find out all about you and keep up to date with your touring? Because you've got quite a bit of touring coming up,
5: haven't you? I have. Lucky enough, things are opening up and you know, confidence is coming back in and we're, we're out there on the road. So, yeah, they can just you know, go on my website, com. They can have a look there and we're always updating stuff. They can download stuff as well. So, you know, obviously the Spotify's and, and all those kind of social platforms as well. Sure. Facebook, Instagram, we're there everywhere. Okay.
0: Well, look, sad to say, mate, we're out of time, but it's been great chatting with you. Thanks for coming out to play on the road with us.
5: Oh, mate, thanks for having me.
0: Now before we go, can I get you to introduce your new single for us please?
5: Yeah, no worries at all. This is Ronnie Judo and this is my latest single, I Used to Be Her Cowboy. Brilliant. Cheers, mate. Thanks, buddy. That's a good one. <laughs>
4: To kiss her pretty face. But she went and broke it off and left it all for what I didn't do. I guess she'd had enough of my living ways and she cut me loose. I used to be her cowboy, a wild boy. Oh, I was her everything. And I went and lost it all for a late night call with the boys out for be her cowboy I still see her sister every now and then I don't ask her how she's been or anything I don't want to know if she's moved on with someone new I swear I'd change my ways if she took me I used to be your cowboy I used to be your cowboy I your cowboy. yeah I used,
0: cowboy. I, used cowboy. I used to be your cowboy I used to be your cowboy hello oh hello is that Luke Yes. G'day, Luke. It's Andy from On the Road Tracking podcast here, mate. How are you doing? Good, how you? Are. I'm doing all right, thank you. I've got Luke Galley on the phone. Now, Luke was the very lucky winner of our Truck Assist giveaway from our birthday show the other week. Luke, congratulations. Thanks, mate. Looking forward to that pack. You're a bit of a fan of the supercars?
3: Yeah, I can't wait. I love them.
0: Brilliant.
2: I'm really happy. Thanks to NTI and Truck Assist. Appreciate it.
0: Good on you, mate. Thank you. Great to have you on the show. Again, congratulations. We'll look forward to catching up with you again sometime. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Luke. Have a great day, mate.
2: All right. Thanks, Abe.
0: For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Hey, Mike. Now, should I be singing Living Next Door to Alice or something?
2: Living Next Door to Alice.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Aren't you Next Door to Alice or...? In Alice? That's right. Yeah.
2: Well, they came down from Mika Thara in a burned-out blue FJ that farted and just sh**ed itself in the middle of Jutland parade. (laughs) Good. Right next door to Allen. That's how the song went, something like that. Yeah,
0: something like that.
2: Funny as anyway. Excellent. Fun.
0: How's the weather out there?
2: Mate, it's a crisp, clear day out here in Alice Springs today, mate. I was surprised we landed at the airport there. There's planes parked all over the place, wall-to-wall airplanes. It's ridiculous. Mm. So there's still a bit of that plane storage thing going on, but it's a beautiful day out here. It's going to be one degree tomorrow morning, though, in Alice Springs, can you believe it? One degree.
0: Nice.
2: Just like Sydney.
0: And it'll only get up to 70 during the day. That'll be great. Yep.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think we're looking forward to a couple of mild days, and it's going to get to about 28 or something by Sunday. So open day at the museum on Sunday might be a little bit sweaty, but we'll be right, mate. We'll live through it.
0: I'm sure you will. Well, no joke for you this week, mate, but a little bit of a a true story just to keep you amused.
2: Well, that'll be no joke.
0: Had a bit of an accident, (laughs) it's not. Had a bit of an accident on the weekend, hit my head on a low tree branch and opened up a nice little gash that I was told needed stitches. Right. So the doctor said that being as how it was on my face and not wanting to destroy my classic boyish good looks, (laughs) he thought it would be best if they just patched it up and I had a plastic surgeon have a look at it on Monday. Right. So that's what we did, and I duly went into the plastic surgeon's surgery on Monday to be told that the only guy that could do the job was their Botox specialist, as all the others were fully booked. Right. Now, they assured me he knew what he was doing, and he'd do a good job, so I said, sure, okay, and... I had to go into the appropriate waiting room and sat there with all these Botox patients until my name was called. <laughs> anyway, dude did a good job, fixed the cut, bandaged my head up a little bit over the top. I looked like a friggin' mummy. Right. And uh, I was a little bit concerned that when I walked out through the waiting room, everyone was going to laugh at me. But as I walked out through there, to my surprise, not one person cracked a smile. In fact, no one even so much as raised an eyebrow. <laughs>
2: Oh, you're an idiot. Can we get on with the news, dude?
0: Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) New Zealand courier company Freightways has forked out $160 million to buy Australia's largest independently owned courier and express freight company, Allied Express Transport.
2: They sure have, mate. Mm. Allied Express have about 700 contractors and 450-odd staff, and they've got depots all over Australia. They go everywhere, they go, they do everything. They're pretty big, and it's a bit of a surprise to see this sort of a thing happen. McDowell family, who are the major shareholders, become substantial shareholders in the enlarged Freightways group. Mm. And I'm just hoping that they come over here and they don't take over too much, mate. Uh, Well, I suppose there's enough Kiwis driving trucks over here now anyway. We probably won't notice the difference.
0: Yeah, well, we do have a a few listeners over there, so careful what you say. They're not going to call it Allied Express Transport, are they?
2: They might, mate. Okay. They might. They'll be bringing over their jandals and all sorts of things. It'll be fun.
0: And their buns.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get in so much trouble. Oh, I
0: no. know. Yeah, and we love it.
2: Oh, dear.
0: So that's it? That's the story?
2: That's it. Oh, Thank you. Yeah, right. i got no more. I've got no more. i got no more. I've
0: got, no well, got plenty more Kiwi jokes, but we may as well leave them for another time. We Indeed. Upgrade works that will be part of a $4.16 million project are set to begin this month at two intersections on the Sunraysia Highway in Victoria. Yep. Hmm.
2: Mate, how do these things cost $4.16 million to upgrade well, a couple of intersections?
0: Must be nice intersections.
2: Must be, they'll be lovely, won't they? Yeah. A $4.16 million project to upgrade two Sunraysia Highway intersections, funded by the Victorian and federal governments. They love throwing money at things, the Victorians, don't they? Mm. At least they'll actually get built. Now, the Victorians love to pay for bits of road that don't get built. I know that. Yeah. The crews are going to widen and resurface sections of the Sunraysia highway, add some left turn lanes and, and all that at the Birchip Rainbow Road. God, I can't imagine that place would be very thoroughly, highly trafficked in the Birchip Rainbow Road. Good God, where's Birchip Rainbow? It's out near Jeparit, I suppose, somewhere. It'd be out near, I don't know. Help me, someone from Victoria, Mildura? I can't help you. I can't, no, you can't help me. Uh. It hasn't even got a weird name for you to pronounce, so we, we won't have to worry about that. Yeah. No, I think it's out near Dimboola. I think Dimboola's sort of out that way. If you turn right at Dimboola and head north, I think that'll take you to Birchip and Rainbow and all that. Could be wrong.
0: Wasn't there a comedy Australian movie or something called Dimboola? It probably was. I think, think there was,
2: yeah. I don't know. Anyway, hmm. 500 vehicles use this section of the Sun Highway every day, including around 70 trucks and other heavy vehicles. Yep. The works in the intersection will take place in early 2023, with the roads to remain open with reduced speed limits in place. There'll be a traffic management team to keep us all safe, and we're looking forward to that little bit of infrastructure improvement.
0: Yeah, look out for the five-star intersections on the Sun That's right. hmm Now, Mike, as a Queensland resident, I'm absolutely thrilled to hear that new speed camera technology is being rolled out in school zones and road work areas across Queensland in what the state government is calling a world-first road safety initiative.
2: Or a world-first cash grab.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I think your tongue was a little bit in your cheek when you were saying that, wasn't it,
0: mate? So much so that I was licking my ear, yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen the pictures of the cameras, mate? Bright yellow. They look like little Daleks. Hmm. They're on tracks. Mm. I wonder why they're on tracks. Yeah. They look like little excavator bottoms on them. You know the little three ton Gaboda excavator bottoms? Yeah. They got those on the little they've even got little grader blades on them. I wonder if they're bulletproof.
0: <laughs> I'm sure we'll find out.
2: Well <laughs> did Queensland we're talking about anything could happen. Yeah. Look, I wouldn't argue for one moment that we need to be safe around school zones and cameras uh, installed in school zones probably do help a little bit, I suppose. We've just had this whole argument going on in New South Wales where the local governments tend to enjoy installing speed cameras and then reducing the speed limit mm. to, uh, some would say, revenue raise. Now, I don't know whether that's the case. We had a councillor on TV in Sydney last night talking about how they'd reduced a speed limit down to 30, and miraculously, the speed camera there had sort of raked in a couple of million dollars, but yeah, I mean, it's all about road safety. Yeah. They don 't want to see any road workers killed or children badly injured on their way to school just because of a recklessness of a speeding driver and Look, I concur wholeheartedly with that I don't want to see anyone needlessly killed as a result of reckless drivers either. No. I suppose speed cameras have their place, but there are a lot of cynics out there like me that wonder exactly the motivation behind it. Mm. If you go over between one and ten kilometers you 'll be fine two hundred and eighty seven dollars and lose one at the merit point and if you go eleven to twenty kilometers an hour you'll get a $431 fine and three demerits. And I suppose that's okay. They're making no apology and I suppose stay under the spin limit and you'll be fine is the catch cry. But I do wonder about the efficacy of this speed camera as an enforcement tool. When you get the letter in the mail two weeks after you committed the offence, all it does is piss you off. It doesn't change your attitude, I don't think. No. The marked police car does a much better job. I think so. Marked police car sitting there in a school zone. That makes everyone behave themselves. It even makes them park properly.
0: Or one of those blokes in the blue uniform pointing one of those guns at you as you're
2: driving towards them. That'll do. That'll do too. Every time. Funny story about that. There was a fellow that lived down the road from me when I was living in Western Victoria. Hmm. And he used to come out and he had a bloody hair dryer. And I'm not joking, a handheld hair dryer. (laughs) (laughs) He'd put a blue jacket on and he'd stand out in the street with his hair dryer beside his car and a white (laughs) falcon. And he would point that maple dropping down the road. I tell you what, it's very effective.
0: I'm sure it was.
2: <laughs> I think he did get into trouble for it eventually, but
0: not the least from his wife for pinching a hair dry.
2: Well, probably. Yeah.
0: Mm. Mate, the Western Roads Federation has contacted the Federal Transport Minister Catherine King, asking for urgent attention in addressing WA's critical skills shortage.
2: Yeah, well, look, we've got critical skills shortages all the way across the country, and I would say that part of the reason why they've got a critical skill shortage of truck drivers in Western Australia is because of their stupid government with all their COVID bullshit that they went through and making everyone have jabs all over the place and not letting anyone fly in and fly out and all that.
0: I thought it was just because you left.
2: Yeah, well, that could be it too. They'd have had one more if they hadn't carried on about that. Mm. Look, I know Cam reasonably well. We've had lunch together, Cam, and Cam's a great bloke, and he's certainly got a point, and I agree with him that we do need to do something. But as they say in the story, we need to develop agreed minimum employment conditions, and we need to make sure people that are coming in, no matter where they come from, are doing basic training courses, and they understand what driving in Australia is all about. We've had a very, very checkered past in Western Australia when it comes to importing foreign drivers. Mm. They went through a situation there where they issued several hundred licenses. Well, they didn't. A driving school issued several hundred licenses to foreign drivers who, unfortunately, the majority of them weren't adequately trained. Hmm. And, of course, that all went sideways and there was a bit of an inquiry and then the transport department went and retested a few of these guys and a lot of them failed.
0: I'm not surprised if they were going sideways.
2: No, no. Well, that's right. And, and it, was, it was very, very upsetting for a lot of people to discover that their training regime probably wasn't all it was cracked up to be and their licensing system could be rorted in the way that was. Mm. I think the main thing here that Cam's saying is finally the drivers are trained in on-road safe trucking practices in Australia with everything from knowledge of how they should behave around pilot vehicles, oversized over mass loads, and a bit of rest area or trucking etiquette wouldn't go astray as well. Mm. Mate, Cam makes a lot of good points in this story. Go to bigrigs.com.au and read the story for yourself. Cam's saying it costs $2.8 million a day yeah. due to trucking shortages in WA alone, and that's just in the bulk haulage sector. Yeah. That is an incredible amount of money. It sure is. And we wonder why it's the case. Could it have anything to do with paying conditions, I wonder?
0: The system is very broke at the moment, isn't it?
2: The system is very, very broken. Anyway, they made six points and they sent them to Catherine King, and I'm sure she'll be having a bit of a look at what Cam's got to say. I don't think you'd find anyone anywhere in Australia who would disagree with what Cam's saying here, Mm. but it is vitally important that these people aren't just imported, handed licences and set loose on the road. Yep. Nothing could be worse than that. Yep. We can't let that happen. Mm.
0: Mike, a New South Wales-based owner-operator who'd been in operation for the past 19 years for himself, unloaded the last of his trucks last year and went to work for a small transport company to earn his living. Now, after copping $3,500 in fines over the last few weeks, he's decided to throw in the towel for good.
2: And I can't say I blame him. Mm. I really
0: can't.
2: Mm. I mean, read through the story here, one of the things he got knocked off for was a half an hour error in his logbook that he didn't pick up and his employer didn't pick up that happened several weeks ago. Mm. And it was only caught by an ordered off some camera times. And they said, oh, they gave him a notice to produce, which is to show us all your yellow pages, please, driver. Mm. And they did, and they found that $592 for that one. Jeez, (laughs) That happened on March the 2nd, and they didn't get the blister until mid-July. I mean, it's a little bit random, isn't it? It is. I don't understand what good that does. Yes, we shouldn't make logbook breaches, and you can argue that that's something that he shouldn't have ever done and, and all that. I mean, we make mistakes, we humans. Unfortunately, in trucking, small mistakes cost you three figures. It's just bloody stupid. Yeah. And it goes on from there. And then he got a $1,487 one for a number plate that was obstructed by a kangaroo, for God's sake. A kangaroo? Yeah, so he cleaned up a kangaroo and part of it remained on the bull bar, which sort of obstructed the number plate a little bit.
1: Oh, God.
2: All right, eh? but here's the good bit. Mm. Then they booked him for driving an unregistered vehicle with an obscured number plate.
0: So thought you were going to say he was booked for riding an unregistered kangaroo.
2: Well, he probably should have been. Yeah. Here's the thing that amuses me. Mm. The number plate was apparently obscured. How did they read it to get in the ticket? It's off the camera.
0: Okay, and which doesn't pace the other direction.
2: Well, there's no logic involved at all, is there? No. And then if the truck's registered, how can we go from an obscured number plate to an unregistered vehicle? Mm. It's just bastardry of the highest form. And it once again shows what we've said over and over and over, the process has become the punishment now. Yeah. I mean, he'll go to court over that, and he really should get off that, both of those charges. Yeah. But it'll cost him more than $1,487 to get off a charge he's not guilty of, in my opinion. Yep. I mean, I'm no lawyer. But it's just logic, isn't it?
0: Well, I think it is, yeah.
2: Well, you'd think so.
0: As if the system isn't bad enough, Skippy's got a lot to answer for too, hasn't
2: he? Yeah, that's right. Mm. And and this is the best one, another $1,487, because he was too close to his pilot going under a camera. Okay. With an oversized load. Okay. Oh, Jesus, he just couldn't make it up. And you wonder why truck drivers don't want to play. Mm. I mean, there's a bloke who's lost three to four weeks of an ordinary person's salary. Yep for making a couple of one would say very, very minor mistakes and two instances of absolute bullshit. Mm. Why would you hang around? Yeah. Like Bill, for the guy, I really do. This is the sort of thing that the NHBR, now that they've taken over in New South Wales, they really should be putting a stop to this sort of stuff. Yeah. They've got as much of a responsibility for sensible enforcement of the law as anyone else. Mm. And I really do think that even if they can't actually alter the legislation, they should be standing up and talking about how it's enforced because they are the regulator. Yeah. Anyway, I'll try and get someone on and we'll have a chat about it, see what they've got to say. I'd like to think that there'll be someone there who can answer that question.
0: Well, the sad thing is not a rare occurrence, mate. We're hearing more and more of it every week, aren't we?
2: That's right. It mm. just goes on and on. It's craziness.
0: Yeah. All right. Don't suppose you've got anything extra for us this week, have you?
2: <laughs> uh, breaking news.
0: Yeah, I thought that might happen. Yes, mate.
2: Breaking news. Well, there's actually two pieces of breaking news. Oh, good. Um, let's go for the first one.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's always a good place to start.
2: Good place to start. There's been a recall issued. Hmm. For 1,123 UD Quan trucks. Now, this has only happened today. Volvo Group Australia is recalling the UD Quans with a year range between 2017 and 2021. The notice has been issued today. Apparently, there's a manufacturing defect in the drive shaft universal joint. Mm. Which may exceed the manufacturer's tolerance. Okay. So I'd say if your drive shaft universal joint it might exceed your tolerance as well. But anyway, mm. for more information, you can phone 07 3718 3500, or you can email a vga warranty at Volvo.com. And on the big rig story, when it comes out. It's actually not on the Big Rig's webpage at the moment. It's only on Facebook at the moment. But when it does come out, there are a full list of the vehicle identification numbers of the effective units. Click here, and you can go and find out for yourself. Mm. So that's that one. Mm-hmm. Now, the other one that's a bit interesting, I was given notification today that there's a consultation regulation impact statement. Oh, my God, what a mouthful. Mm which is open for feedback at the moment until the 28th of October, 2022. I'll put the web address in the show notes, but it's all to do with driving training and licensing and all that sort of stuff. Mm. There's going to be an online briefing. It's from Austroads. So if you go to austroads.com.au, it's probably just as easy and you'll be able to find it there. It's proposing changes to the National Heavy Vehicle Driver Competency Framework. If you're interested in driver licensing and driver competency, it's one of those things that you probably really should check out and you can put a written submission into it if you wish. Good, good. As I've always said and as Rod Hanapy says, anyone in the advocacy game in trucking says, Mm. if you don't say anything about it, then don't blame people when nothing happens. That's it. If you don't speak up, these things won't fix themselves. And it's up to us more experienced operators, I suppose, probably to put submissions in and have something to say about it. If you want to leave some sort of a legacy for those coming along behind you, mm. how about helping fix some of the problems that we know exist? Indeed. That's it, mate. That's all I've got. Good-o. Apart from the fact I'm in Alice Springs and I'll be wandering around looking at trucks in the Kenworth Pavilion. Eat your heart out, truck drivers. Enjoy it. Good on you, mate.
0: Thought for the week? Awesome hit me. One for all those leaders out there and for those who aspire to be. You're right. The first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. You're right. The last is to say thank you. You're right. In between, the leader is a servant. Okay. I quite like that when I read that.
2: I quite like that. I reckon that's quite good. I, I reckon you should tweet that to Elbow, mate.
0: <laughs> yeah. Elbow who? <laughs> Don't start me. Name doesn't ring a bell.
2: Don't start me, mate.
0: All right, mate. Will you behave yourself in the Alice? No. Good. All right. Proud of you. <laughs> hey, Roo. See you, buddy. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rings, Australia's national road transport newspaper.
4: Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you do, Smile and tell
0: him, never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. Oh, am
4: I the only one who says I'm fine? Let the truth
5: be told. G'day everyone, this is Gordon, your favorite Canadian refugee trucker living in America. Where? whilst hauling logs around the far northern reaches of Appalachia, I enjoy the On the Road podcast with Mike and Andy. Keep it up with the news and history and everything that's good about trucking and the land down under. What a great show. Thanks a bunch.
2: Hello, Time for something to talk about, something to think about. I'm going to get back on the old hobby horse about work diaries. Now we've all talked about work diaries for ages, love them or hate them, really doesn't matter what you feel about them. They're there, they're a fact of life. Work diaries are a thing we have to deal with. Now I just want to put a point of view that I think a lot of guys haven't considered, and that is. The work diary is there to benefit the driver, and it's a line in the sand so that the driver can say, well, I've done the, the lawful amount of hours I can do in the day. I can't do anymore. It's my time to have a rest now, and the boss can't argue about it. Now, There's a whole lot of things going on with that and with that theory. The first is we are regulated in the time that we're allowed to spend on the road. Now, I hear drivers say all the time, we shouldn't have logbooks, we should be able to do things the way we want. I've seen the suggestion on social media that we should just have fatigue monitoring hardware in the truck that just says, oh, you're tired, now it's time for you to go and have a sleep. And look, I have to acknowledge that drivers are individuals, we're all individuals. I can sit behind the wheel for six hours and be perfectly fine most days. Most times I do that, I can do a six-hour stretch, no problem. There are other guys that can't do that. There are days I can't do that. You know, some days I just don't feel like playing the game at all. And I'm sure we've all had one of those days. And a logbook is just a very much a formula approach that we all need to try and fit into. To be frank, that doesn't work. Young blokes sometimes don't do as well as the older, more experienced blokes. They've got strategies to deal with their fatigue and they've learned a few lessons, and they know that at three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, you go and have a nana nap for half an hour, and you come good, you know. There are a lot of things to think about. There's a lot to unpack in the whole work diary debate. We're now getting into the debate with electronic work diaries, and I've written about these a couple of times, and they're not the catch-all that people think they are. But they're certainly not the bogeyman that people think they are either. You do tend to gain a bit of time with the electronic work diary because you're not going through all the rounding issues. You, know, you don't have to wait until half past before you put your line in the book. When it's 25 past, you can push the button to stop work and you can have a 15-minute break and you can have a 15-minute break. The electronic work diary is brilliant because it calculates the hours for you you're not going to get caught out on any little stupid you know, rounding errors. You're not going to get caught out because you've inadvertently gone 15 minutes over in the 24-hour period and cop yourself a blister for that sort of thing. And it keeps track of all those lovely things when you're on BFM like night hours and long hours and all that other crap that you're trying to get worked out. You also don't have the let's catch you for not writing your home base in the front page of the logbook every time you change your logbook. And all the records are there to be produced. And when you drive into the Weybridge, you've got the work diary there. You know that you're not in breach anywhere. You can be perfectly confident. One less thing on your mind. You might be worried about how much over you are on the drive, but your work diary is not an issue. And that's a good thing. The other good thing about the electronic work diaries is that they point out to your schedulers exactly how long some of this bullshit that we've got to deal with takes. If you're using your work diary in the right way, then logging everything that you, you're meant to be logging and all the rest of it, all the time that you wasted a DC or whatever is going to be there recorded for the operations staff to see, and they're going to know who's holding them up and who's costing them money and who's annoying their drivers. It'll become very evident very quickly. That's one other side issue. Now, I hear the argument from drivers saying, well, you know, Christ, I'm getting paid trip money. I need to be able to work as many hours as possible. The fatigue machine sounds like a great idea if I can do more. Hang on, that's not the answer. I understand it, but it's not the answer. Back in the day, there were guys that ran multiple licences, multiple logbooks, and they took multiple chemical enhancements, (laughs) eye pills for the want of a better description, to keep themselves going to make money because they're being paid trip money. They drive themselves into the ground. They drive themselves to early graves doing these things. It's true. I saw it with my own eyes. Ask anyone that's been around in the industry for any length of time, and they will tell you whether they did it themselves or whether they didn't do it themselves. Look at the video of 60 Minutes that's been floating around the internet lately. Old mate Rudy Bertain saying there, like whether you take drugs or not, it's a bit like masturbation. There are those that do and those that lie about it. Back in the day, a lot of guys took drugs to stay awake, to do the job because they're being paid by the K. The more work you do, the more you make. The more you make, the more the missus spends. That's the way of the world. That's the way it's always been and it's fundamentally wrong. Everything we do in the transport industry is measured by the hour. Get it through your head. Your logbook is measured by the hour. We deserve to be paid by the hour for everything we do. I'm not going to get back on that hobby horse. But the fact is, while you get the guys who are wanting to do more, they're on trip money, they want to do more, they want to throw the logbook out the window so they can do more, who are you benefiting really when you do more? Yes, you make more money, but the boss expects more from you. Now, not all bosses are going to be like that if you had the fatigue machine. Some of them are going to be perfectly reasonable. Now, they certainly don't want their bloody truck upside down in the scenery, but the reality of it is that there are one or two out there, and we no no doubt... You all know it to be true, there'll be one or two out there who'll be perfectly happy to push you to the limit. And that will happen irrespective. It happens now, even with the logbooks and everything the way they are. The logbook is not your enemy. That's my firm position. The logbook is the line in the sand that you get as a driver to protect you from being pushed too far. The other point to make here is what's legal might not necessarily be compliant. And what's compliant might not necessarily be legal or sensible. Run through that again. You can be legal in your logbook, but you can be absolutely fatigued. And if you look at any of the insurance figures, I've had Adam Gibson talk to me about it. He's like a broken record sometimes, but he will tell you that the majority of fatigue accidents happen when drivers are completely legal in their logbook. It's a true fact. It's like rollovers. It's not all speed related. It's inappropriate speed related. There are a number of nuanced points of view that you really need to sort of get your head around to understand, I suppose, what should be a pretty straightforward position. We're professional drivers. We should expect that there are some limits placed on what we do. We should also expect that we're remunerated properly. I would ask the question, Why is it that schedulers don't seem to come under the microscope until something goes pear shaped on the road? I heard a point of view today that we perhaps should file like a flight plan, a safe trip plan. Now, I seem to recall that that was part of a a program that was axed several years ago. We should start to think about these sort of things. Should we file a safe trip plan? Should the scheduler be made to sign off on it? I think they should. I think we should be looking at what we're doing. We do need to take a reasonable steps defence as drivers to make sure that we're doing the right thing. And here's the other bit. If we do these things, even us old dinosaurs that have been doing it in our heads for years, we should be doing it to protect the young blokes that are coming up. They don't know what's right and what's wrong and what can and can't be done. We only know it because we've been doing it for a long time we need to take a position for the benefit of those who are coming along behind us that's the real thing something to talk about something to think about if you've got something to say please feel free give me a call 0418 send me a message 0418 email me mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you'll see me on the road we'll catch you out there stay safe take care
0: We'd like to ease out of the show with another gem from this week's guest artist, Ronnie Judo. This is a hauntingly beautiful and thought-provoking song that we can all relate to as we remember those we've lost and the families they've left behind. The song is simply called Roadside Angels.
4: I woke up early this morning Heading to Barnington Mine Cup of coffee I'm yearning For that same old grind. I lit my cigarette in I pack my gear and I'm on my way Raindrops falling down I can hear the sound The sirens coming round Wondering how long Too late after Roadside angels So many I have seen who travel down this road Just like me Roadside angels Another showing I've seen Wondering what your life Could have been Wondering what your life could have been Each flower on that road Faces young and old Stories to be told I guess no one will ever know So many I have seen who travel down this road just like me. Roadside angels, and others joined, I've seen. Wondering what your life could have been. Wondering what your life been. Angels, so many I have seen. Lord knows that could have been me. Roadside angels, and others joined I've seen Wonder what your life could have been. Wonder what your life could have been. I wonder what your life could have been.
0: Well, that's the show for another week. Thanks for coming along for the ride. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. And Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. Be sure to join us again next week when Mike says... Andy, for God's sake, save me. Andy says... Well, actually, no. And our guest says... Yeah, good one. Enjoy it. Until then, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions.